you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Esther chapter 4, and I'm going to begin with verse number 6. Esther chapter 4, verse number 6. So Hatak went forth to Mordecai unto the street of the city, which was before the king's gate. Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him and the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. Also, he gave him the copy of the writings of the decree that was given to Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther and to declare it to her and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him and to make request before him for her people. And Hatak came and told Esther the words of Mordecai and again Esther spake to Hatak and gave him commandment unto Mordecai, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do now, do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called to 
come in unto the king these 30 days. And they told Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. And thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed, and who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go and gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise and so will I go in unto the king which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. Now that's a lengthy reading this morning, and I want to draw out of this text an inspiring thought today, if I may. It's drawn from the 14th verse. When the word came to Esther, Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? And by the help of the Lord, I'm going to preach for such a time as this. I'm going to ask you this morning, if you would help me, I want you to pray for strength in my body. And I want you to pray that God would open our hearts this morning and our minds today to receive what he wants to do in this house. Would you pray with me right now? Lord, we need your help today. Pray for the strength of the Lord today, the help of the Lord today. God, we need you open our minds, our thoughts, our hearts to receive what you are doing. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Turn to somebody next to you and tell them, this is your hour. This is your hour. Amen. You can be seated. Brother David, if there is a default setting to take me to my normal mic setting, if that is possible, um, things are really off here on the platform this morning, and my, my hearing is off today, too. So um, for such a time as this, the church to recognize the day in which that we live. We talk a lot about what's wrong in this hour, but we need to focus a little more on what's right in this hour. Hunger is obviously sweeping across the nation. Reports of true outpourings of God's Spirit are happening all around the world. 
about what's been happening at Asbury College. How many of you have paid attention to follow what's been going on at Asbury College? This event that's gotten a lot of attention, and I in no way want to come across negatively about what is happening. Similar mock movements are rising up all around the country, even this past week at Purdue University. Uh, I read of uh, similar events that are happening. Uh, some of these are short-lived. Some of them are continuing. Uh, in the end of all of it, I'm not here to create a debate this morning of right, wrong, what's good, what's bad, what comes out of it. Only time will tell those things. But I thank God for the spiritual hunger of young people on several college campuses. That's better than some of the things that they could be celebrating. And so there is good in what is happening. This hunger is nothing new uh, among our apostolic youth. Uh, I believe the apostolic church is a great part of the grassroots of what is happening around the world. Could this season be what generations have been praying for? I don't think it's time for us to attempt to put out the flames of hunger, but I think it's time for us to fan the flames until it becomes a red-hot outpouring around the world. And for Christian Life Church, if I may just preach to us for a moment this morning, I believe that this is our finest hour. This is our greatest opportunity. It's time, I believe, for the church to rise to the occasion and to evangelize our world. The awakening services may have ended, but the revival that was sparked during this 40-day season, I believe, is just the beginning of what God is wanting to do throughout this year. Our time is now. In our text, the cry came, for Esther to go in before the king and to be a voice for her people and for her generation. There was a lot at stake, uh, including her life. If the king didn't raise his scepter, she, according to the king's law, would be put to death. And of course, the life of her family, being of Jewish descent, and all of her people were at stake. If she went before the king, there was a great chance, since the king did not call for her, that she would die. But if she didn't go in because of her nationality and her people, Although perhaps she was uh, a lady of renown, if she didn't go in, 
it was likely that she would die. She knew the risk. But Mordecai challenged her purpose. And this is what I want to point out to us this morning is that I do believe it's time that we recognize the purpose in which God has brought us to the place we are at the time we are. It did not happen by accident. Where we are in God's great timetable is not incidental. It was not accidental, but as a matter of fact, it was God's intended purpose. Mordecai challenged Esther's purpose with the words of who knoweth, Esther, whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther had a decision to make, and she made up her mind, but she said, I, I will go in, but I'm not going to go in by myself. But I'll go in, but you're going to have to promise me that you're going to be fasting with me. And I'm going to have all of my maidens, and they're going to be fasting with me. And I will go in to the king. But what I'm doing, I'm not going to do alone. I know this is not earth-shattering preaching this morning, but I want to tell you that God is setting the stage for us to do some things that we will never be able to do alone. And we're going to have to rid ourselves of the pride or even the arrogance of thinking that the job that God has called us to and the opportunities that God is presenting before us that we are going to be able to do alone. Even at the beginning of the church, when the apostles were sent out, the apostles were not sent out alone, but they were sent out in twos because the job is always too great for any one of us. But Esther said, I will do what I have been asked to do, but I'm going to have to have the understanding that everybody is going to be together. I'm going to have my people fasting, and you're going to have to have your people fasting. If you hear the word of the Lord to this church this morning, I believe that you and I are going to have to recognize the importance of us unifying together like we never have before. We may not be from the same background or in Esther's condition, even of the same nationality or the same upbringing. They, they didn't come from the, same, from the same places and same points of view. But she said, I understand this. I'm going to go in to the king. But before I go in, you're going to have to commit to me. You're going to have to agree together with me that before I go in, you're going to be fasting and I'm going to be fasting, and your people are going to be fasting, and my people are going to be fasting together. Come on, CLC. This has got to be more than just 40 days of consecration. There's some opportunities that God has set before some of us and for some of our families, and this must be a daily commitment to saying, come on, brother, 
You may be weak, but I'm going to be praying and fasting with you. Come on, sister. It may be your family that you're going to witness to this week, but you're not going in to witness to them alone because as a church, we're going to be praying and we're going to be fasting and we're going to be agreeing together. It may not be my family that's dealing with sickness. It may not be my family that's dealing with cancer this year, but I remember it wasn't too long ago. So I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I'm committing to prayer and to fasting and to togetherness. Somebody said, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Let me tell you what we need to do. Find a brother or a sister and say, come on, let's agree together. Come on, let's fast and pray together. Because when the opportunity comes, God's going to use you. of Israel was saved. I believe God is looking for some Esthers that will understand our purpose in this season. I do believe that God has brought the church to where we are. I don't think it's by mistake. It doesn't matter whether you've been in this church for 50 years, 15 years, or five weeks. Doesn't matter. God is building a church. And we are a body that it that is fitly framed together. Every one of us, God has placed into the body for such a time as this. It doesn't matter if you're if you've been here for 50 years, 15 or 5 or 5 days. God has a specific purpose for putting you right where he's put you. Because you are going to be able to do what nobody else can do. Oh, I wish I could preach this the way I the way the Lord shared it with me this week. I hope somehow I can, the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord just just helps where my weakness may not be able to, to deliver what I'm feeling in my spirit this morning. The, the, the Spirit is, is willing, but the flesh is weak sometimes. But if I could somehow implore upon you this morning, whether I'm preaching to the eldest in the room or to the youngest in the room, it takes everyone whether I'm preaching to the most gifted and talented or the one that feels like I don't have many gifts and talents. God has placed you into the body for a specific reason at a specific time. Don't think it's by accident that you are where you are. And let me go a little further and tell you, don't think it's by accident that you have gone through the things in your life that you have gone through. The hurts, the disappointments, the pain, the loss, the sickness, whatever it may be that you have faced, you have faced things in your life and during those times, without a doubt, every one of us wonder, God, why? Why this? Why that? I believe it is all part of God's plan to be able to help you be to a point of how he is going to use you in this season of ministry in the church. We can't all, we can't all 
be in the microphone at the same time. We, we can't all be, 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 be doing the same thing. That's why that God has made us unique and different. Because the hand can't say to the foot, I don't have any need of thee. And the ear can't say to the eye, what good are you to me? God has placed us in the church. And he has placed us not to, to just shine as one or the other. If one is the hand and one is the foot, the hand can't, can't just say, hey, I'm waving in of myself. Because it takes an arm to be able to lift the hand. And it takes a shoulder to be able to lift the arm. And it takes a body to be able to be able to function and do the work of ministry in this season. I want to encourage somebody today and tell you, God didn't just save you and put you in the church for you to show up on Sunday and clap your hands and pay your tithing and walk out the door. But he's brought us together to be a city on the hill, to be a place, a healing station for the sick. He has brought us together in this season for such a time. As this, uh, you may feel like, well, I want to be used this way or that way. We need to get that mentality off of us and say, God, whatever it is that you want me to do in this season, it may be my voice uh, before the king. I may, I may think I've got a lot of other things that I could do, but it may be our voice uh, before the king uh, that is going to save the nation. Come on. It may be your prayer in the midnight hour that is going to birth the revival. Somebody shout God's time. He's an on-time God. He never misses. Let me move along in the New Testament. I'm not closing tonight. Last week I said I'm hastening to a close. He thought that meant I was calling him to the platform. So we've been joking with him this week and I made sure clear communication. So as I say, I'm moving along. I'm not finished yet. I've got a little more preaching to do. Now if you think I get to preaching too long, go ahead and come to the Lord and tell me when you need to. Ah, oh, we can have fun in church. In the New Testament, the man there was a man sick with a palsy. He had become so accustomed to his seemingly unsolvable situation that it became a normal way of life for him. His sickness was his normal world. He became to, accustomed to missing opportunities because the circumstances never turned out in his favor. He had gotten used to it. And I believe this is what causes many people to miss it. Because we start looking from our human point of view with all of our human emotions attached to them. God made us the way we are, but we do have to work on our emotions. I wish I could get a better amen than that. This is what causes so many people to, to miss their moment. The waters were only troubled for a moment one time a year, and it was always somebody else that received their miracle. Somebody else got into the pool. Someone else was healed. 
And then another year passed. What if this season in the church is your season to do your greatest work? What if this season, I'm not preaching to your neighbor. I can't preach to those that aren't here this morning. I'm not even sure. I don't think we're even online today because of so much sickness. But can I say to you, if you will think with me, what if this season right here where you are is God's timing for you to do your greatest work in the kingdom? Well, that can't be possible. <laughs> oh, I want you to know the enemy will speak that to you. The enemy will come and lie to you in the midnight hour and tell you your season has passed. Oh, I, I know, I've heard the voice of the enemy that has come and whispered in my ear and say, your season has passed. Anybody ever felt that way? Anybody ever felt like you're done? You've done all you're going to do? There's been moments the enemy has come to me and said, you, you, you've taken the church as far as you can take it. You, you, the, the, the enemy's come and lied in my ear and told me. I, I sat with my wife a few weeks ago and sharing with her some of the things that I battle in my mind. And I was in the awakening and a man that had no idea of the conversation that we had had the night before, the very night before, walks up to me and laid his hands upon me. And he said, the enemy has been lying to you and telling you that your season is, 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 is over. He said, but the Lord just spoke to me and told me to tell you that your greatest season is still ahead of you. Whose report are you going to believe? I can believe that, oh, yeah, my greatest days are, are, are behind me. Or I can say, I'm looking ahead. Give me this mountain. I'm as strong today as I was the day that God promised it to me. I'm not sure we need to pray for more miracles. But rather we need to be more sensitive to the moment and the opportunity that God brings our way. How many people missed their opportunity because they were not sensitive to the moment? I, I'm reminded of a story from a few years ago when Dylan was, I'm not sure what event it was that you were traveling to. Maybe it was an HYC in Oklahoma City. But he was in a Sheraton Hotel in Oklahoma City. Dylan, you remember the story? I was reminded of it this week ran into a man there, and the man was looking for money, and Dylan said, I don't have any money for you, but he said, but I'll pray for you. The man became angry. He didn't want a 16, 15, 16-year-old 16 kid praying for him, and so he refused the prayer, and he said, no, I don't want you praying for me. What if God would have healed him right there in the carport of a Sheridan hotel in Oklahoma City? Well, Pastor, that's silly. What if God wouldn't have? He would have still been like he was. What if 
that man missed his opportunity. Or what if the man would have said yes, but a 16-year-old kid, bold and full of faith, would not have been willing to have said, Sir, I don't have any money to give you, but I can pray for you. It seems like I remember a couple of men that were asked for some alms, and they said, silver and gold have a none, but such as I have, I'll give to you. What if they would have never said those words? Maybe the miracle would have never happened. I believe we need to be more sensitive to the moment, and we need to be prepared so that when the opportunity comes, we step through thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. In verse 6, when Jesus saw him lie, he knew he had been there a long time in this case. He had to ask the man, sir, do you even want to be here? That's what the Lord said in essence. In the King James Version, he says, wilt thou be years the man had lived there. Obviously, the man had stopped looking for opportunity because the Lord saw no hope. He saw no, he didn't see him attempting to get up. He didn't see him moving. He didn't see him doing anything to position himself. expect it to happen. Can I ask you a question today? What do you what do you expect the next few weeks to look like in your life? I wish you would answer that truthfully. What does what do the next few weeks look like? We just came through the awakening. Is that season over and finished? Or did that season set us up for what God is about to do? Packed house and powerful preaching and great moves of the Spirit. Was that just for us to say, Woo, man, did you see that? Did you feel that? Look what God did here and what God, or was it that God was setting us up to say, now this is preparation for the next step. I, I, I brought you here so I can take you there. Come on, somebody. God is not a God that says, I'm just setting you all up to show you what it could look like. Now let's go back to where we were six months ago. God is saying, take a look at where you are now. Now, where are you going? What does the future look like? What are the next five weeks in your life look like? What, what is your prayer life going to look like over the next five weeks? 
I come, somebody needs to say, give me a few more pages in the journal so I can click them into the notebook and keep following along. Hey, I'm going to make sure I, I maybe fell, up, fell behind in my, in my Bible reading, but I'm going to get it back out and I'm going to start working toward catching up. I, I, I committed to prayer for a couple of weeks there, but I'm going to pull it back out because where God is wanting to take us to is going to require us uh, to say, I'm fasting, but you've got to fast with me. Oh, come on, pastor. Lead the church to revival. I will lead the church to revival. I will pray and I will fast. But I come with the words of Esther. I can't do it by myself. I need you and your people praying and you and your people fasting and you and your people believing and you and your people worshiping. Come on, it's going to take everybody together in this season. This is supposed to be before the awakening, y'all. No, that's supposed to be for right now. I, I, I didn't want to catch a service from tonight. We had so many people sick, and I, I hope those of you that are here aren't angry at me. My wife and I were both sick. Several of our ministry team were sick. We could have had church. We could have had church, but I felt it was in our best interest to keep us apart because there was so much sickness. And you look around this morning, and it can be disheartening. I'm not disheartened this morning. Faithful people are still here. They're not homeless for being in their home. They're not just missing to be missing. The enemy would like to take and say, yeah, look what that awakening did now. Look, look, look around you. Last week we had a packed house. This week, look where we are. I'm not discouraged one bit. It rains on the just and the unjust. Sickness comes to every one of us. We all deal with it. This is a season. Give us a couple of weeks. We're going to be back stronger than we've ever been. I've been through stomach flus and respiratory flus all in about four weeks. I've been at the awakening, had every germ imaginable rubbed all over me. Thank you. Lord, I'm, I'm, I am immune. I'm going to be immune to everything in the next week. It is over. It is over. We're going to be healthy. We're going to be a healthier church, not just physically, but spiritually. Because the enemy would like for us to believe where well, the awakening's over and we've gone right back to where we were. No, we're not. We're looking for the future. We're looking for what do the next five weeks look like? What does first Monday prayer look like that's on the way? What is the next wave of revival going to look like? What about the harvest of souls? Look around you and see what God has done. I look and see the pews sitting here this morning and it just puts joy in my heart. They were baptized in Jesus' name last week and I I'm thrilled and overjoyed, and I'm thinking, what's God going to do in their life? And who's next? Who's next? Where's the next Bible study going to? What is God going to do next? And who is he going to use to do it? Oh, I feel encouraged this morning. I may feel weak in body, but I feel encouraged in my spirit. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord right now. 
Somebody just lift your hands and entertain the presence of God in this room right now. He's here. Hallelujah. I reference John chapter 5 and 6. John chapter 5, the, the, man, the man's trust was not in the Lord. The man's trust was in man. Sir, I have no man to put me in. When Jesus said, would you be made whole? I have no man to put me in when the water was troubled. He didn't know he was talking to a man. People are always waiting on someone else. And while we wait on somebody else, we can miss our moment. That's why I say, if I am to walk forward with expectation, I'm to look at the leader and imitate him. If I'm the only one exercising faith today, I'm going to keep walking in faith like it has already come to pass. I'm going to walk into church, and if I'm the only one worshiping, I'm going to tell you, I didn't feel like worshiping this morning. I'm, I'm weak in body. Don't get worried. Don't get worried. I'm good. I'm free. I'm clear. I'm out of isolation and all the above. Don't, don't, don't get, you, you don't have to worry about those things. But I, I, I came this morning weak in body. I'm trying to stand. I'm trying to lift my hands. And I, and, and, and I even said to my wife, I'm second-guessing. My, my decision just because of physical weakness. And then I heard the voice of the Lord say, do exactly what you, you put in your notes you're going to do. I'm going to give it my best every time I walk in the doors. My best may not be what my best last week looked like. I celebrated my 55th birthday. I may not be able to jump like the 15-year-olds can. But you know what? If all I can do is clap my hands, I'm going to clap my hands. If all I can do is lift my voice, I'll lift my voice. Whatever I have, I'm going to offer it, and I'm going to make it available unto the Lord. My moment is not based on my circumstances. I am going to do what I can where I am with what I have because I recognize that he has put me in the kingdom for such a time as this. Our, our, for years, and so, some of you know this, for years, our late bishop, Brother Price, he used to say, oh, I believe that we can see 500 in church. I, I believe we can get there. Someday, he told me, he said, I, I remember when I first became pastor here, in one of our conversations, he, he's figuring it out. He says, look at the, the kids, the children, the, what, what, what all God's doing here. He said, the day's going to come that you're going to be able, to, we're, we're going to see 500. We're going to see 500 in church. We're going to see 500. It's going to happen. I, I'm believing it. But he never lived to see it. Never lived to see it, but he had faith for it, and he was faithful for it, and he preached it, and he talked about revival, and he talked about what God was, but he never lived to see it. But eight years after his passing, I think it's eight years, after his passing, last week, the report came in, 950 kids last week with 500 last week, and it hit me. I didn't even recognize.
recognize it. I didn't even realize it. Something that had been prayed for and spoke in the atmosphere years ago by somebody that's already passed on. God said, that wasn't the season, but you're in the season, and the season is now. God be the glory. And who knoweth whether you are come into the kingdom of such a time as this. I believe God has set this church in the middle of the harvest field. And God is asking who will work in my field. We can go out into the streets this week. And on Saturday... We can push beyond 28 no's to get one maybe. Then we're very excited about that one person that we knocked on their door and they said they may come. And we get excited about it and we celebrate it. And that's all right. Yet, over the last week, just the past week, had 28 local unchurched guests inside the doors of this church. I'm not talking about people from another church. I'm talking about unchurched, unsaved individuals from this community that walked inside the doors of this church, 28 in the last week. That's 28 Strong maybes inside the doors. Uh Let's talk about God bringing us. I know this is a little different for Sunday morning, but let's think about God bringing us to to the kingdom for such a time is this. People get all worked up. Oh, Pastor, when are you going to have an outreach? When are you going to go out and knock some doors? God has put 28 people inside the doors of our building. Now, what are we going to do with it? Can I I get stronger as we go along with this? I love you. We're on the same mission. But I I, got to say what I feel to say this morning. People come to me and say, Pastor, what can I do? Where can I be used in the church? Where can I help? And all I can hear is the voice of the Lord saying, what will you do with the people that I've put inside the doors over the last week? If we're looking what to do, we need to just make a connection. What will you do with the people I'm sending to you? Paul said in Romans 13, and that knowing the time that now is high time to wake out of sleep, maybe the awakening was for us to wake up and look and realize the day and time of going knocking on doors and telling somebody I'm going to come by in a white bus and pick up your kids and give them candy on Sunday might end up with people cussing us out and putting their guns up on us. It's a different generation. It's a different world we're living in. But maybe through social media and text messages and phone calling and advertisement that 28 people in personal invitations, that 28 people walk inside the doors of this building because they are interested and they're hungry and they're looking and the Lord is saying, how about now 
why don't you now focus on this season, such a time as this, where we are now. What are you going to do with those people that walked inside the door? Let me just say this. If you're not teaching Bible studies, you ought to get signed up for the next teaching teaching. Well, maybe Bible study teaching is not is not your gift or your or your desire. Let me just say it like this. If you're not connected with one of those 28 guests, you ought to see Sister Jen Hopper or Sister Chelsea, and you ought to say, connect me with one of those new converts. Connect me with one of those guests. Let me let me see. And and, and, and maybe maybe you have a hard time meeting somebody new, but there's just a neighbor that you've been attending church with. How about this week? You just say, hey, can, can we just get coffee together? And we strengthen one another because you don't know what their voice is going to do. And it may be your prayer, and it may be your fast, and it may be your visit with them that strengthens them and says, go ahead, Esther, you can go in before the king, but I got you covered in prayer. You can go in and be the voice for this generation, but I want you to know I'm fasting with you. I wish I could get the church to understand what I'm saying today. You cannot do this by yourself. And when you think that what you're doing means nothing, that word of encouragement may be all a sister needs. That 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 strengthening word to that brother may be all he needs to save this generation. In the New Testament verse, in the passage that I have mentioned to you today, in John chapter 5, Jesus worked in an unconventional way. At an unexpected time. It wasn't the time and the season for the trouble in the water. People weren't supposed to have been healed there. Don't get caught off of this next season. I won't be much longer. Get your brother some drink of water. I won't be much longer. But I want you to hear what I'm going to say season that we're in right now, there's got to be some people to get tuned in to what God is doing right now. Because revival is not just happening in the altars. Because revival may happen in the schoolhouse. You've been following what's happening on college campuses? This week, there was reports coming in of what's happening in high schools around the country. This isn't anything new. It was happening in junior high here when my boys were in junior high. Come on, this isn't something new. God's been trying to move, but we're in a season, and God is going to move in unconventional ways. I can hardly get beyond what God has entrusted with us with. He has preserved you and I, this church, for this generation. You're not a generation out of season right where God wants you right at this time. Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom of such a time. I'm going to share this with you this morning as I approach a close. The last two times that I've walked into Walmart, I've recognized the season in which we're in. I was here at the church last week with my wife. 
of popcorn popper that got used to something that lasted but that we had that's been sitting for a long, long time. She tackled it. She was cleaning on it. I came over and she was a little frustrated with it. She said, I think this thing's about done. I said, it's all these problems. I went over and started trying to help her and give her a hand. And then the moral support came. She said, can you turn it upside down? And I did, and the light was broken. I said, see, the light's broken. I said, I could probably get one of those lights at Walmart. I don't think they even throw those away. She kind of rolls her eyes at me and keeps going with it. I said, I'll, I'll get a, I'll get a, I'll get a light. I'll put a light in there. She said, I think I can take it out. I said, no, I don't worry about it. I'll get it later. She said, no, I'm going to do it now. It's whole do it now thing. I'd, I, I would rather surprise her with it. She takes it out and hands it to me. I said, I'm going to go to Walmart and get, get, a, get a light bulb right now. Anybody need anything else? And I asked Cheryl, and I don't know who all was around there. There were several around here working. And I said, anybody else need anything? And I suggested that I get a couple cases of water. And I was really going to the thought for a light bulb. small light bulb, just a quick trick. I go dashing into Walmart, ran past the doors, grabbed a cart full of water. I'm on a mission. I'm in a hurry. I'm just there for a light bulb. I run past the greeter, look to my left, recognize a gentleman sitting on a scooter talking to somebody. In my haste to get to the light bulb, I smiled and waved as he was waving at me. I was walking about as swiftly as I could straight to the light bulb area. and I'm about halfway down the aisle toward the light bulbs halfway across the, the room. 2.2 seconds in my haste to get to the light bulb. And I hear a voice behind me say, if you'll slow down, I'll talk to you, but I can't catch up. You're walking faster than my scooter will run. I turned and looked behind. Saw a big old smile. Man on the scooter. I stopped, turned around. I thought, I can give five, ten seconds to this. I said, hey, how's it going? Good to see you. He was already turning to head back to my light bulb again. And he said, I, I've, been, I've been needing to call you. I, I've been needing to talk to you. I got some things going on in my life. Started sharing with him some things happening in his life going through in the season that he's in. He said, I, I've been encouraged to call you and just haven't been able to bring myself to it. I said, God wants to help you. The moment that I said God wants to help you, I just stopped for a minute. 
God just checks me right where I am. The Lord said, you're not here for a life home. I sent you here to meet a man on a little scooter that's broken and down. That life home, that little $1.97 light bulb, said, absolutely. You don't have to wait till next week. I don't want to embarrass you, but I want to pray for you right now. <laughs> Over his face, begin to tremble. I just reached and laid hands on him unashamedly, and I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, spirit of depression, shock on her face and she just stood there looking I finished praying I turned and looked at her wiped a tear and I smiled nodded my head toward her and she said wow that was really kind of you I smiled again I said thank you God bless you
to celebrate Kayla's birthday, and I'm going to cook my almost world-famous chicken. Dylan and I dash into Walmart, me and God in Walmart. I dash into Walmart, head to the chicken. That's where preachers usually head to. Head to the chicken aisle. Dylan's behind me, and we're talking quick. And I get there and start fumbling through, looking and grab a couple of packages of chicken and I hear in the background Pastor Jordan for just a second when I heard my name I thought I just need to buy chicken and get home so I can cook turned and looked over my shoulder saw a face smiling and looking at me Brother Kevin he walks up and in the next 5-10 minutes we begin to talk about what God is doing I said, people are trying to get around us. No, I wasn't being rude. People were trying to get around us, and I said, listen, if you mess with me just, just for a minute more, we're just going to start prayer meeting right here. And the Lord said, Mark or two, because he's bringing us opportunities it's not here in the altar it's not traditional it's not the way it normally looks but an opportunity to say hey let me tell you about the miracle that happened and I begin to share the miracles that God is doing here in the church I told him about me walking in hardly able to walk or stand with my back and God instantly miraculously healing my back the man begins to weep I begin to share testimony of what God is doing. God has brought you to where you are. I know I preached a little while today. God has brought you to where you are. This isn't by accident that we are where we are. God's brought you to where you are for a purpose. You think you just go to work to earn that living, but it may be for that person that's going through loss in their own think you're just running to Walmart to buy a light bulb, but be aware that God may have a higher purpose. You think that you just showed up on a Sunday morning to church, but could it be that this is a pivotal moment in your life? Could it be that this is that moment for you? Could it be that the Sunday afternoon dinner, could it be the waitress at the restaurant next week? Could it be the person that you're in the checkout line next to you? Stand with me across the room. Who knoweth that thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Our time is now. We've got to be careful not to miss our opportunity. God is troubling the waters. My prayer today. God, help me. Help me look at that young man or young lady that everybody else has written off and help me see them like you see them. We can't do it on our own. We need the help of the Holy Ghost. We must be anointed for this hour.
this generation and now the generation of the gospel resting upon us. I'm thankful for the generations that have gone before us. But I pray this morning that somehow in my weak ability to be able to deliver this message this morning that God has spoken to you and said, I know where you are and I've put you where you are and I've brought you into the kingdom for this moment such a time as this. Would you lift your hands across the room right now? You're appointed for this time, for this generation. I hear the voice of Mordecai, thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I believe this is your finest hour. God has determined it. He's planned it. We're moving into the greatest season and the greatest opportunities. You heard it preached the last few weeks. The greatest sermons have not been preached. The greatest songs have not been sung. The greatest services have not been had. Everything God has for you is in your future. Your family can be saved. Your ministry can be, can, can. Come on, you, you, it's not done. It's, you're not washed up. You're not finished. Why don't you launch that ministry? Why don't you step into that opportunity? Why don't you say yes to the Lord this morning? The altars are open today. If you want to respond to what God has spoken, to what he's saying. The awakening is not over. It's just prepared us for the next five weeks. What does it look like to you? Can you commit that to the Lord? You say yes to the Lord. Yes, God. I'm stepping in for the next 40 days. I'm stepping in for the next 40 days, Lord. I say yes.
your hands up in this place this morning and sing it out to the Lord. Hallelujah. Say yes. I'll say yes. 